0: So I'm going to go ahead and invite David to read our lectionary text today. Again, the full text is here. You can follow along if you like, but we won't be reading all of it.
1: So we'll be reading from 2 Samuel and also from the Gospel of Mark. From 2 Samuel. David intoned this lamentation over Saul and his son Jonathan. Your glory, O Israel lies slain upon your high places. How the mighty have fallen, Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely. In life and in death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you with crimson in luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain upon your high places. From the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him And he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, and he saw him, fell at his feet, and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. While he was speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear. Only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion? And weep. The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, whom? which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word.
0: We are all going to die. And we are all going to be resurrected. We are all going to die. And we are all going to be resurrected. All the structures of our lives sooner or later will disappear. Everything we've worked for, everything that we hoped would last. Every castle and moat will fall back into the earth just as we too die. Nothing we build up in this life will keep us from death.
1: Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, Swifter than eagles, stronger than lions.
0: Yet they fell in the midst of battle, O daughters of Israel. Weep, even the mighty will fall. And yet, even if we have nothing, even if we are ignored, passed by, reviled in this life, If we have nothing, keep nothing, take nothing, we will yet be resurrected. The poor, the hungry, the naked will be resurrected. No amount of suffering can keep us from reunion with God.
1: I cry to you, O Lord. I wait for
0: the Lord, my soul. Waits, And in your
1: word, I hope...
0: We will all die, and we will all be resurrected, for that is Jesus' promise to us.
1: There was a little girl, a tender little girl of 11 or 12, who used to rub the back of her father's neck with gentle fingers. She could spin wool as fine as spider silk, shimmering in the morning dew, and her voice, more lovely than the lark, carrying across the desert air to the sea like a prayer.
0: How a father would mourn such a daughter! And there she lay, beloved and lovely, and the people wept and wailed loudly,
1: Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. My soul
0: waits for the Lord. More than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. Who is the one waiting, The little girl, lying there so peaceful, waiting to be gathered up by angel wings? The people gathered around her, weeping and wailing, waiting to be delivered from this grief. Who, I ask, is the one waiting? David, who mourns for Saul and Jonathan? The dead themselves? Or you? Or I? And into this worldly commotion, this... Tearing and rending this weeping and wailing into this world where death takes even the mighty, even the beloved, into this world came Yeshua, Jesus.
1: And he said, rise up, little girl. And he said, come out, Lazarius."
0: And he said, awaken all you who mourn, you who watch for the morning, you who wait for the Lord. For For Jesus is here, Jesus has has come, come so so that that we need more, no no
1: more.
0: I'm quite grateful for two things, at least. That Carl Rahner is on my bookshelf whenever I'm having a hard time with theological concepts, and two that... I'm not Karl Rahner. For those of you who have not had the pleasure of writing a paper drawing heavily from Chapter 6 of his immense work, Foundations of Christian Faith, that's how thick it is, Karl Rahner was a German Jesuit priest and one of the most influential theologians of the 20th century. But I'm pretty sure he never watched Hawaii Five-Up. I like to watch Hawaii Five-0, and I like to read mystery novels, and I like to have a bar of chocolate sometimes, and I'm pretty sure Carl never did any of those things, so I'm glad I'm not him. But on the other hand, in order to grasp one of the most difficult, most significant, and perhaps the single most important aspect of Christian faith, which is that the resurrection, you need help. At least I do. And for that kind of help, we have Carl. And he says this. We miss the meaning of resurrection if we assume it to be the resuscitation of a material, physical body. The resurrection means the final, definitive salvation of a concrete human existence by God and in the presence of God. Resurrection, then, says Carl, is the life. It's about the life, the existence. Not the physical reality of a body, but much more than that. He goes on to explain. We must avoid the misunderstanding that resurrection is a return to life and existence in time and space as we now experience it. For if that were so, resurrection could not be... The salvation which is in God's hands, incomprehensible and known only in hope. When the deceased is gone, cannot his or her real self continue to exist, transformed and transposed beyond physical time and space? For it, the real self, the real human existence, it was always more than physics and biochemistry for it was love and fidelity and perhaps sheer ordinariness and other similar things which come to be in time and space but do not reach fulfillment there. Our lives come to be in time and space but do not reach fulfillment there. And our resurrection beyond time, beyond space, beyond our imagining is in God's hands, incomprehensible and known only in hope. Some of you may know this quote from Victor Hugo, and I think we should go to the next slide. I know I have it marked later, sorry. But he says, when I go down to the grave, I can say like many others, I I have finished my day's work, but I cannot say I have finished my life's work. My day's work will begin again the next morning. The tomb is not a blind alley. It is an open thoroughfare. It closes in the twilight to open in the dawn. The doorway between life and death is not a one-way street, but an open thoroughfare. And like Jacob's ladder, angels come down as well as go up, and the saints come down as well as go up. And sometimes, sometimes we get a glimpse of heaven before we die. In my California days, Some of you know I'm from California. I had a friend who was taking a workshop uh, on seeing auras and energy fields. Okay, it was California. Uh, But hey, just saying, have you ever noticed in all the holy paintings of holy people, like uh, the halo thing, aura, energy field? Uh, Just saying, maybe. Uh, But so, so this friend of mine uh, when taking this workshop, you know, he meditated and he visualized and he cleansed his chakras and he chanted the names of the stars and so forth. And one day we were having lunch together uh, and I asked him how the class was going. And he said, I think I failed. I said, okay, really? How, how was that? He said, well, so we had this exercise when we were going to go. We were supposed to look at the auras of all the people around us as we went through our day. You know, see which ones were muddy and see which ones were shiny and which were dark and, well, stuff like that. Okay, I said. So what went wrong? I tried it, he said, and his, his voice got a little wistful. I was just walking down the street and and looking at each person, you know, trying to see if their aura was shiny or muddy. An old man pushing a shopping cart. A young boy tugging at his mother's sleeve. A high school couple smooching at a bus stop. Even a kind of a homeless-looking guy, kind of scruffy-looking. But the thing is, when I looked at them, When I really looked at them, they were all shiny. And the closer I looked, the shinier they got until my eyes kind of missed it over. They were all shining everyone. Try again. And isn't it that very holiness, that human existence which lives here but doesn't reach fulfillment here? Isn't it that which God reclaims and therefore redeems, that inexplicable, unutterable sacredness of a single soul that God will never let go of? All the dross, all the mistakes, and yes, the sin which we'll talk about later in this series, every place in our lives where we stepped away from God, and let's face it, for most of us, at least for me, that's most of my life, but all of that falls away. And we see again the moments when we felt most united with our Creator, shining moments that define who we really are. And somehow God upholds that for us at the end of it as if to say, Here and here, you knew me, just as I have always known you. Let that be what lives on. Arise, said Jesus, shine, awake, For your light has come, and your Redeemer lives, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with the Lord there is mighty power to redeem. Amen.